Aalto University Podcast. This is Corporators. I'm Tomi Kaupinen. And today I have a pleasure to have my guest, Oana. How are you doing? Hello, Tommy. I'm great, and it's a privilege to be here. Great to have you. Um, so, hey, can you please share uh, your full name, your background, everything that you would like to share to listeners? Sure, I'd be glad to. So, my name is Juana Velkulaitinen. Uh, I am a uh, neuroleadership coach and trainer, and uh, I focus on uh, improving uh, the creative thinking of um, ambitious professionals. And um, so far I've been working with uh, researchers, I've been working with uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and with the leaders of change. And I'll just say that uh, I am uh, a person who is very curious about the human mind And um, every day I am um, experimenting on myself, uh, the things that I'm teaching uh, to my clients. So I'm Juana and I'm glad to be here. This is great. So uh, you mentioned curiosity, uh, of course, creativity. And I mean, now you have uh, make, been making a lot of studies about it and, and writing about it. So can you share the listeners like what is creativity i mean how 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 do how would you define it and how how can we use it and what is the benefit of it and how humans even develop the creativity if yeah it's uh it's uh great that you are asking this question about what is creativity because um so far in my experience and for six years i've been uh, studying and and uh, teaching creativity Um, I realized that it's very important to start from uh, clarifying how do we define creativity. And the most uh, standard definition that I came across that uh, researchers in uh, uh, the psychology of creativity define is creativity as uh, the ability to combine ideas in a new ways and come up with um, a new product product that is uh, original and useful for a particular audience. Mm -hmm. So uh, the standard definition starts from the thinking that happens in the mind of the creative person, combining all the new things. But also the definition takes us all the way to the outcome, which is most often a product, which it can be a song or it can be a book or it can be a, a new innovative product or gadget. But they, they are characterized by two criteria, uh, originality and usefulness for mm. some people. So this is the standard definition. Uh, and this is the definition that I use in, in my trainings. In my book, I wrote, I have recently wrote a book, which is soon to be published. I take a different approach to creativity and the approach is from the inside, mm -hmm. from the inner life experience of the person who creates. And from this perspective, uh, from the way the creator experiences the world, creativity, mm -hmm. I define it in the book as this 
feeling of knowing that you are born to create something, mm. the flexibility to experiment with different interests that trigger your curiosity to create, and the resilience to hang in there in the creative process and to work your ideas, improve them, and share them with the, uh, with the audience. So in my book, I define creativity as the feeling of knowing that you are the person to create, the flexibility mm. to try different interests, and the resilience to work on your ideas. Mm. And the result can still be original, right? Yes, yes, and most certainly. Original, first of all, for you, Mm-hmm. And then for for the people that you have in mind when when you are coming up with the idea. And and this reminds me, starting from the definition of creativity, that that uh, one of the um, myth maybe that we have about the creative people and the act of creating is that it's a process of uh, loneliness that you have to to, to be in solitude. But from the psychological point of view, um, the person who creates usually has someone in their mind when they are creating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So communication is very important. I'm thinking I really love your definition of creativity because now it's it's really about the process, right? Rather yes. than the results yes. or yes. deliverables. Exactly. Yes, the focus is on the process uh, in... in uh, in my book, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the main idea that creativity uh, is not so much an outcome. Now I'm talking from the point of view of the person who creates. Mm-hmm. So from the person who creates, uh, creativity is a process, and it's a process which which starts first of all with with uh, having no idea what you're gonna create. It mm-hmm. starts with exploration. And you know that that you you want to create something, but you don't know yet. And you start exploring, and and you start uh, getting curious, and you start uh, talking to people. You start learning new things. That's the beginning of 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 creativity for the people who create. And then it comes the first big aha moment that okay, mm. after I have been exploring, mm. uh, trying new things, talking with new people. Now I'm going to focus on creating this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then it's the, let's say, official process of creation. It starts when you mm-hmm. start to define your problem. What is it that you can't want to come with a solution to? And, and then you, you start implementing. Mm-hmm. That sounds like um, while it's not um, focusing on the results, it actually... Your definition kind of guarantees that it, the result will be original and useful because you are talking to people, you are communicating perhaps early on, like what are you going to do or what are you doing? And then you are, you know, just putting a lot of different ideas together and also yourself. Then it sounds to me that it's really, really ensuring the originality and, and usefulness, even if it's not really the, even the kind of part of the process. It's it's a very insightful observation and and I haven't thought about it until now and and I have to say that uh, <laughs> and you have a, a good point in the sense that um, um, it's true that the person who creates um, even if if the the process is more important but also you know somewhere <laughs> deep inside that you also want to come 
to an ending. You want to have a, like a, a grand finale for, for mm. all your efforts because this is another uh, thing about uh, creating. Um, it's, uh, it's not such a romantic, you know, like uh, idea that, that you are expressing yourself and, and it's so easy and it comes so natural. In the creative process, consumes a lot the creator. You you are using your mind, you are using your emotions in order to to come up with the best idea, and and um, you are in a way consumed by the creative process and the the grand finale, knowing that one day you'll get there and you are gonna share your work with other people who are gonna use it. It's it's like in a way like. Uh, giving you the fuel to keep on creating, mm-hmm. daydreaming about that day. And this brings me to another aspect of, of creativity, that being a creator, it's actually uh, an act of generosity. <laughs> that's that's how I, I mm-hmm. actually end the, the book, that, uh, uh, that you create because you want to be generous and you want to bring something in your community uh, something that that you think can improve the lives of other people, mm-hmm. help people to understand something or or get some insights or actually use a tool or product. Yes, yes, and and like there are many ways to to uh, if we go back to some concrete examples of of creativity. Creativity creativity can be also we can see it in a conversation. Mm-hmm. In, in like uh, a conversation between uh, a mother and a son, a conversation between uh, a leader and and uh, a team member. Uh, that's one concrete example where where we can see creativity in the way these two people talk about mm-hmm. a problem that they have, and in the way they change perspectives, or in the way they bring metaphors or analogies, mm-hmm. or in the way they bring humor in order to to clarify an idea mm. or to elaborate an idea that's one one uh, context where where we can see creativity when and when both people involved in a conversation have the role of creators mm. this is something that that uh, i think sometimes we take for granted this everyday conversations that we can have with people around us mm-hmm. absolutely and it sounds to me that it's like just uh, perhaps a different way to communicate kind of the results. I mean, now you are using words, but then perhaps people um, typically value more like, okay, well, this is like a visual outcome or like a new drawing or a new sketch. While, yeah, like you said, like just exchanging uh, some sentences and some yes. ideas with your team member or a colleague yeah. can be the same. Yeah, so so we can also uh, elaborate on how we define outcomes of creativity. Mm-hmm. So one way w- is to define outcomes is in a tangible product, like uh, uh, the latest uh, uh, Apple Watch, that it's a tangible outcome, but then we can have also intangible outcomes of creativity, like I said in the conversation, mm-hmm. just to... to get out of that conversation either with new ideas or with just this feeling that, you know, I, I have been listened to or mm. or uh, I have felt um, supported or I have mm. felt challenged in a positive way. Yeah. So these are also outcomes of a creative conversation. 
And sometimes uh, we have to put a bit more effort into having this kind of conversations. Mm. But also uh, in the, let's say, more traditional sense of creativity, as creativity is a process which refers to a creative person coming up with an idea to create, to make, let's say, a video, a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. And and then the outcome is the final video that delivers a message to Mm -hmm. an audience. And Mm -hmm. again, we come up with the question, what is actually the outcome? Because from the point of view of the person who created the, the YouTube video, the outcome is the video itself. But from the point of view of the person who is going to watch the video, what is the outcome of the, this mm. creative process? It transforms. And mm. I think that this is the, this is the beauty of, of um, creating something that you may create a tangible video, But then you have no idea how it's going to impact your audience. Exactly. And it can be used in very surprising contexts. I mean, for example, in teaching and and, and there can be perhaps a discussion around around that video. Yes. So it's a seed for something Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Sharing this video in a a teaching context, it's it's a perfect way to Mm co-create, to to actually see the impact in, in terms of ideas, what ideas have been born in the minds of the viewers. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 a, it's a surprising act of co-creation. Absolutely. Hey, I'm talking about tangible objects. I mean, digital or physical. You, and you mentioned about your book that you wrote. It's called um, How to Develop Your Creative Identity at Work. Congratulations, first of all. So, um, hey, uh, so how can people... <laughs> Develop that if you want to, would like to summarize, how, how can they develop their creativity and especially at work? Yeah, so um, the book is uh, meant for, for, for this kind of people who feel that, you know, they have this itch to get involved in the society or in the company where they work and to make a change. People who are not complacent. So, um for this kind of people, it's it's very important to understand what is their relationship to their personal creativity. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I am taking the readers through a journey. And the first part of the journey is to understand what is your current image of your personal creativity. Mm-hmm. In other words, how do you see yourself as a creative person? And for instance, one of the things that I discuss is the art bias that most often, and I'm one of the people who years ago, I thought that uh, a creative person is uh, someone who is involved in artistic creativity, mm. uh, in, in artistic um, uh, activities. And, and this kind of kept me a bit inhibited, a bit more. Mm. So in my book, I'm discussing a lot about how we can um, break away from whatever biases we may have that are restricting us from understanding our true image of our creative um, identity. And I am presenting four possible tendencies that, that are in each one of us. And yes, we may have the artistic tendency, which mm-hmm. comes actually from a need to express ourselves. If you talk mm-hmm. with with painters, with photographers, with with the uh, fiction writers, 
at one point in the in the conversation, they're going to throw this phrase that, yeah, I felt the need to express myself. Yeah. That's one creative tendency that mm-hmm. we may have. But then there are there is another creative tendency, and that is to um, to be very curious mm-hmm. in other people's emotions and to kind of have the desire to be the healer. That's another creative impulse, which comes in those conversations I was referring at the beginning, in in the way that you know how to steer a conversation in order to improve a person's understanding of themselves. This is, for instance, something that psychologists have Mm -hmm. this impulse to create. This Mm -hmm. is the second impulse. Then there is a third impulse, this desire that you want to start initiatives, you know, like I know Mm -hmm. it can be here, we are in Alto campus. It can be this uh, well-being initiative or happiness initiative. This is the impulse to to make a bit of a social change, a movement in in, Mm. in the uh, closed community. And then the fourth impulse is the interest in abstract ideas. That's what philosophers or scientists may be most attracted for. So this is what, this is the first part of the journey to understand your image in which of these four perspectives, in each of these four tendencies, do you see yourself? And the mm. fact that you see yourself in one or two, this doesn't mean that you may not have the other tendencies. It's just that maybe you have not come to the right time and place where those tendencies are, you know, like um, flourishing. Flourishing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first part of the journey that I'm taking the reader in, in my book the image that you have on your creativity mm-hmm. and just get curious to explore what other impulses are there for you to, to manifest in life. And then the second part of the journey is the journey of developing your creative identity and being resilient and persevering. As I said earlier, being a creator is, is not an easy task. You, you are going to be consumed in the process of creation. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to have this ability, this inner drive to, you know, like say, I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to go one experiment after another because I feel that this is the best way to make use of my life. So this is the second part on having the ability to choose the next experiment where you are going to create mm. something. Then the, the third part I'm going to, uh, I'm taking the reader through in my book is how do you prepare your mind for insight? Because every act of creation starts mm. with that aha moment, you know, ah, I'm mm. going to, you know, like uh, uh, paint a flower today. So to get to that aha moment, you need to have your mind prepared. So I'm going to explain Mm. different types of sensitivities Mm. that there are in us that are taking us to these aha moments. And then finally, in the last part, I'm focusing on communication because we may think that we know what we are doing until Mm. we open our mouth. Mm. And then when we open our mouth to explain what we have created, then is that moment of getting to a deeper level of understanding of what we are actually doing. Mm. And it's the moment of maybe hard reality when we get to listen to what the listener has to say about Mm. our creation. And that's the moment of honesty 
when you have to prove to yourself that you care so much about what you create that you are willing to start again if the feedback <laughs> is not so good. So this is the whole process that I'm discussing in my book. Four big steps, starting with the image that you have about yourself and getting curious to see mm. it uh, from different angles. Then being perseverant and resilient in choosing the next experiment. Mm. Then preparing your mind for insight and lastly, communicating what you are doing. Because talking about communicating, I am a firm believer that, that it's best to go out there in the world and start talking to, to the people that uh, you know that are qualified to listen as soon as possible when you start a, a process of creation. Mm-hmm. Don't wait until you think, oh, this is the final. No, I finalized my uh, paint, my flower painting today or I finalized my uh, biggest uh, gadget, you know, and now I'm going to share it. No, it, it, it's, it's, it has to come earlier. You have to, even when you feel vulnerable and you feel mm. like, well, I'm, I'm not sure I can hear criticism. Mm. Well, I'm afraid that to, to create, you have to learn to, to live with criticism. Mm. Some people will love you, but some people will not. And, mm. and you have to take the best out of mm. everybody's feedback. Mm-hmm. So working with sketches and uh, sharing early on. And exactly. Checking exactly. what, what yeah. uh, resonates and yeah. what doesn't resonate yeah. and then learning from it. Yeah. And for instance, like uh, as I said, I'm putting in practice the things that I am teaching in my creativity trainings. And, and uh, when I started writing the book, I started telling to my close friends and, and some of the uh, clients I was working with, I started telling to them and I'm writing a book. And actually one of my first beta readers Mm. is actually one of my uh, students from Helsinki University. Hey, she, and, and I know that I, I felt very vulnerable and I was mm. like, oh, I, I'm not sure I can take any, any criticism. <laughs> but still, I wanted to do it because I wanted early in the, when I started the writing, to have an idea of, of uh, how she um, finds useful mm. the ideas that I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't write, I didn't want to write the book for myself. I would have then write uh, written a diary. I wanted to write a book to help other people to mm-hmm. share my insights on the psychology of creativity with other people. Mm-hmm. And and it was really helpful to work with her. She was like sending me. She was very prompt, sending me like her comments, and and I took everything into consideration. And I've written many versions since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so connected that, you know, when I wrote my habilitation book in Germany. So habilitation is something that you do after your PhD. In Germany, I gave it like 25 people and, you know, not all at the same time, but like one or two. And then I fixed the issues and or improved text and then I gave it the next one. It's amazing how always people have some recommendations or suggestions and they are yes. very helpful yes yes and what i find very interesting is that you even if you give you know like your your uh, working process to someone who may not know as much as you about the the topic but through their feedback somehow you you manage to change perspective mm. on what you're doing yeah and then yeah. you have this like small aha moment like okay mm. i know how i can 
change this tiny part of, of my work in progress. And the mm. result is a clear improvement. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely love it. So I, I will start using your <laughs> journey. I mean, I, I really, really connect to that. So, um, so how, um, talking about, I, I would like to ask about the identity because I mean, clearly it's in your title of the book. So, how do you, how do you think, how, how does the identity play here? How do you, and of course, it's about communication as well, right? So, how do you communicate your perhaps changed identity suddenly in, in the organization you're working? In? So, how, are there some best practices how to do it? And and yeah, I, I don't know some. Yeah, exercises. Oh, that's role exercises. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first, let's let's. Uh, how do you how do you how do we define in this uh, in this case identity and and is defined in in the activities that we choose to do mm-hmm. because whether we we are conscious about or not, but uh, we develop our identity, our sense of of uh, of who we are. Uh, around the activities that we do in the everyday life. And when you are a creator, you have a very close relationship with, in my case, writing. In your case, it can be like video uh, creation. So whatever identity, uh, whatever identity you do, it's, it's actually the activity, the creative activity that mm. you spend hours on every day. Mm. So that's your identity. And, and how do you communicate that? It's it's um, explaining to to people, showing to people um, the results of your identity, mm-hmm. or the results of your activity. So mm-hmm. identity activity are interchangeable mm-hmm. in in this pro. When we talk about creative people, mm-hmm. and and um, and that's why actually it hurts when when uh, you are waiting for feedback, because it feels like. You know, having your child criticized mm-hmm. when when you come with your working process to someone mm-hmm. else and say, "Here, you see, that's that's the development of my child. Can you please take a look at it and tell me how mm-hmm. how happy is my child or how healthy is my child?" And you are having tears in your eyes, and you know, like you are hoping for a positive reply, but then you know you have to be prepared to to do some extra work if uh, if there are yeah. some uh, some ideas of of. Um, Improvement. So yes, uh, the identity is like the active, all the activities that you do in the creative process, mm-hmm. and they, then deve- they they develop over time, and uh, you know that that's your identity because it feels, you know, even as I said, if it's hard, you you have to put effort, but on the other hand, it feels that that's what you need to do. <laughs> you mm-hmm. would rather do that than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like love and hate. I don't know. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very yeah. complex relationship. Uh, the identity of a creator. Mm-hmm. I really really love that definition. So you mentioned earlier uh, that you need to be resilient, right? Yes. So if you just communicate, communicate, communicate about about your results, yeah. Then over time, people start perhaps giving better feedback, <laughs> and then suddenly. <laughs> You get this better, you know, I don't know, kind of building blocks for your identity. Yeah. And then it gets easier and easier. And then yeah. you have a stronger identity and perhaps your results yes, are always yes. better. Not always, by the way, but most of the time. 
Yeah, there is a there is certainly you learn a lot about yourself, uh, and that's true. That uh, uh, in the beginning, when you know, let's say you are like a, a junior uh, mm-hmm. creator, you may feel a bit like clumsy in the way you talk about uh, what you do. Mm-hmm. But like you said, in time, the more you talk to to the more people, mm-hmm. you also understand how to uh, be a more uh, more of a storyteller of mm-hmm. about what you do mm-hmm. and and like i've i've myself gone through this journey and 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 i have still a lot to learn because in the beginning like maybe five years ago if somebody would ask, ask me about you know like what am i uh, teaching in in my creativity workshops i would be very like a geek you know like <laughs> almost like a researcher defying and describing and i realized that that not everybody is so passionate about creativity as myself so i i may need to learn how to relate my stories to to mm. people's life experiences and i'm still learning i'm not saying i have done great progress but tiny tiny small Mm-hmm. Uh, progress and and yes uh we learn how to talk about our um, creative identity in a more compelling way mm-hmm. through practice mm-hmm. you mentioned storytelling so isn't it also that you actually need this kind of worse experiences or worse feedback in order to build a story for yourself and also i mean for your I mean, your communications about yes. your identity, isn't it? So, because I mean, if you don't have this kind of challenging experiences at the start or even later on, you don't have a twist yeah. in the story, right? Yeah. So then you have like, oh yeah, I, th- I have always been creative and everything has been always <laughs> fine. Always this nice feedback and nothing else, right? Oh, but uh, that's like super rare. I mean, all of us, you know, have these challenging moments where like, You prepare for a pitch and then you like deliver and then like, all right. So the audience wasn't ready. Yeah. Perhaps more this experience from like, like earlier times, but still it's like, it's, it's always, I mean, you need to, if you are vulnerable and are, I'm a creative person, I mean, you need to be always ready for harsh feedback and yes. it's, it's life. And, yeah. and reasons can be many. I mean, of course there can be, I don't know, competition or whatever. And of course, as a creative, you have to think like, okay, well, why did I get this feedback now? <laughs> Because yesterday I got much more appreciating feedback from these other guys yeah. about the same thing. Yes. So <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, that's, uh, this is amazing what you're saying that, um, that uh, as normally in a story, well, you need to have a, like a conflict Mm-hmm. And then you have to have a development of, yeah. of the plot. And uh, that is very true that as a creative person, your conflict is exactly this friction between what do you expect to hear in, in a feedback and mm-hmm. what you actually hear. And the development <laughs> comes when you learn how to dance with all this uh, kinder and more critical pieces of feedback. Mm-hmm. And also how to... Um, tell about them later on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 you know just just it, it's very very useful to talk about um, to be vulnerable and honest, mm-hmm. and and to say that hey I'm a working process progress yeah, yeah. my whatever I'm doing it's a working progress but at least I'm here 
Yeah. Day in and out and, exactly. and willing to put in the work and willing to communicate my mm. best insights with the world. Because mm. if we wait for the day when we do everything perfect, yeah. maybe we are already in a box <laughs> underground yeah. and have lost our breathing. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's like it's good to, to just say, hey, you know, I'm just a human being who has this drive to create. And for some reason, I'm very interested in, in this particular aspect of life. And I want to bring my contribution here. Exactly, exactly. And you are um, you mentioned about um, complaining and blaming and that, those kind of things. So so always a good exercise is that, okay, what can we do? to solve some problems or issues in the next 15 minutes yes. or yes. for a half a day or yes. in a workshop. And, and talking about complaining, yes, it's like uh, <laughs> when, when you know, when you are a, a creative person, uh, uh, you, let's say, so that um, some, some people um, don't understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy at that point to start complaining that, mm-hmm. oh, this, you know, to take uh, an attitude of superiority that, you know, I, who I, I understand much better what I'm doing. This person didn't understand anything. Maybe that is true, but still, um, sometimes it's good to be a bit humble. This mm-hmm. is another thing which I'm talking also in, in, in my book, mm-hmm. that as a creative person, it's, it's uh, good to try to practice Uh, humility and say maybe I can take something from every feedback that I get Mm. even if I don't necessarily like the feedback Mm. there is always something that you can use and bring it into your own work Mm. you know this exercise like instead of saying no but you say yes yes, and and. (laughs) yes 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 I know it and and it's like uh, one of my favorite exercises and it it comes from improvisational theater it's Mm. one of their principles uh, and it's a great way to open our minds to to Mm. other people's ideas Mm. because um, our human mind is is made in like uh, being very territorial let's mm. say so or with ideas that that you hear something and you think I like it or I don't like it and and uh, if if you don't like it then you you automatically say uh, no this can be can't be done because of this and of that yeah, so in yeah. improvisational theater they help us practice this this principle of saying hmm actually don't like what I heard but I'm gonna say yes and I'm gonna train my mind to find an angle in that person's comment that I can build on my mm. next argument. Mm. So yes, and uh, it's a very good good principle, which in real life it's uh, more <laughs> difficult to you know like uh, to practice it. Um, mm. It will be very interesting. I've always this is a bit of a sidetrack, but um, I'm a fan of improvisational theater. Yeah, me too. By the way. <laughs> And uh, I would be actually curious, I don't know if there is research done on this, to see in terms of the learning that the the practitioners of improvisational theater are actually benefiting from in the Mm. real life, you know, Mm. like 
you go, you know, for, I don't know, six months, you take uh, improv classes. And how is it then when you go to your workplace? Mm-hmm. Are you a more, let's say, open-minded mm-hmm. conversationalist? Are you the person who says, yes, and this idea can work because of this and of that? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, that's I don't a, know. like if That's a good question. I've been a huge fan of improv theater, but also physical theater, where the audience is part of the kind of the show. Oh, and, um, but I never really thought of the connection because I mean I just come to my mind comes to my mind many occasions in my teaching for example when you know once for example the slides didn't save and then I had to in two minutes when I was walking to the auditorium decide what to do with students basically one hour students so then I of course improvised but uh, perhaps it's like because of this interest that I could actually deliver and I didn't start saying that okay sorry we don't have a class today. <laughs> that would have been another option, of course. That's, uh, I mean, also kind of improvisation, but kind of lazy improvisation. Yes, that's yeah. that's the other principle of improv theater, spontaneity, which I also like a lot. And, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I use it as a warm-up in, in, in my uh, trainings, you know, like, uh, for instance, uh, I start with one sentence and we are supposed to build together a sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for instance, uh, I... Uh, and I do this as a way to warm our spontaneity and our uh, reaction to and uh, flexibility to unexpected. And I start like with like today uh, it was a cloudy day in the mm-hmm. morning, and mm-hmm. then the next person adds to this, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I find sometimes that it's it's difficult for for us to to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really <laughs> I'm happy to hear that that you actually put spontaneity in the real life because it's very needed. Sometimes, like like you said, you know, mm. maybe the monitor is not working, or uh, maybe I don't know, like you don't have the slides with you because you're absent-minded. So yeah. you have to be spontaneous and adapt to the situation. Absolutely, I have a saying that you always have a surprise. You just don't know what is the surprise. I mean, events, you go and give a keynote. I mean, there will be some surprise and you don't know what is it. And it can be, I mean, some obvious ones, of course, like adapter doesn't work or whatever. And then you have to find another adapter and perhaps none of the adapters work, but then there must be some adapter somewhere <laughs> in the, in the um, yeah. building. And then you finally find it just like, 30 seconds before the post yeah. starts. So there are these kind of obvious ones, but then then other surprising, like surprising questions or surprising feedback or surprising setups of different kinds. Or, I mean, uh, you are giving a talk and then then you see that the previous talks are talks are over, over time. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I will have a five minutes of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have to decide what, yeah, what you are what to do. Exactly. You have been planning for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes talk and then you see, okay, well, I will have five minutes. <laughs> and then the chair says, okay, all right, let's speed up. Can you give actually your talk in five minutes? And then you have to, it's like, you know, I mean, it has happened a few times, I think. Uh, not, not lately, uh, happily, but, uh, but anyways, it's so many surprises. Uh, yeah, and, and what what I notice is um, when when you are spontaneous in real life, and and you see that you have managed quite well the unexpected situation, 
um, it, it feel you, you kind of feel empowered. You feel like good about yourself that look, you know, there was something which was not on yes. the script, but I did it and it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You get um, you get this kind of story, like the conflict and then the resolution. Exactly, um, yeah. Once I was, I think it was in Amsterdam for the Brave New Learning Conference, I was giving a keynote there. And then the screen absolutely didn't work. So the technicians were had trying to get it to work. and uh, But I didn't say anything to the audience. I didn't say anything about it. It was like, okay, hi, I'm Tommy. Then I shared my story. Then suddenly it started to work. <laughs> then I said... All right, let me give you some examples. <laughs> so it's almost like planned, but it yes. wasn't. It yeah. was all improvisation. Cool. I didn't, you know, it's just, and I think, I don't think anybody really understood that yeah. it was not planned. Yeah. I think everybody thought that it was the whole idea that first this yeah. guy talks for five minutes and then suddenly there are the visuals. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'm not sure, but it's. And actually, it's I think that listening to you now, I, I realize that from the point of view of the audience, you know, they don't know with what plans you came there. They, exactly. you know, they. Exactly. So it, it's it's okay to to allow yourself spontaneity when your plan exactly. things don't go as planned. The most important thing is to do something that the audience yes. is going to benefit. Yes, exactly. To have these stories in your mind and just tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say it because that's, that's uh, been my, my sayings as well. Like, I mean, audience doesn't know. I mean, it's, they, of course they expect something cool and something insightful, but they don't know. Yeah. They don't yeah, have exactly. any idea. Yes. They don't know. And it can yeah. be like, uh, something surprisingly insightful. <laughs> you are the theater. <laughs> yes. They are the audience. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, um, so, um, but can you uh, define the neuro leadership coach? So yes. what does it mean? Because that's your title. <laughs> yes, that's my title. So uh, the neuroleadership coach is um, a coaching uh, certification, which is based on a particular methodology uh, on social neuroscience. So um, uh, when you coach the clients, the questions and the, the structure to the coaching process is based on how the brain is uh, navigating in social interactions mm -hmm. and um, yeah there are different uh, different uh, methods that you can apply depending on the coaching situation but uh, yes neural leadership coach is a coach which um, which is uh, paying lots of attention to how the human brain is doing the thinking mm -hmm. and helping you know like uh, helping the client to to think through their mm. own uh, dilemmas or challenges mm. so it happens through and, and understanding cognition and yes and yes. being using empathy and uh, it's it's uh, it happens to understanding how how the brain is like uh, navigating in in social interactions and for instance um one of the main concepts in this neural leadership training is uh, the status the fact that uh, the human brain unconsciously is uh, constantly uh, monitoring what is my status in this group mm -hmm. am i being perceived by the other person on mm -hmm. the same level or am i being perceived like uh, 
I am a little ripple or am I being perceived like I'm the prima donna? So this is one one method in in in, in this neuro leadership training that that um, um, y- y- you need to be aware of of um, helping the people you are interacting with feel valued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect is uh, relatedness that uh, when we interact with people, the human brain takes in more information. When uh, we perceive we are kind of from the same team or from the same group or when we trust each other, Mm -hmm. if you feel that you are an outsider, whatever information you are going to receive, you are not going to take it in. Mm -hmm. So these are some status and and relatedness. They're like brain principles that we need to, to be aware of in order mm-hmm. to uh, grow as people and in order to establish uh, uh, positive relationships with the people around us. That's amazing. I connect to that so many. I mean, actually, literally different workshops I've been running uh, come to my mind and also teaching sessions. It's it's um, especially this. But how, how do you, is there some principles like um, arrange people to groups of four or five instead of groups of 10 or are there some this kind of principles that listeners could? Uh, yeah it's um it's not so much uh, uh, related to the size of mm. the group maybe let's say if you want to have some group learning maybe eight would be the the maximum size mm. but these principles that I mentioned about they have to apply within that that group so other mm. than status and relatedness also, It has to be the principle of uh, autonomy. In other words, you have to make sure that uh, the people who are in the group, that they feel that they can choose themselves mm-hmm. what kind of learning tasks they are going to do. So you as a facilitator, uh, you can give, let's say, two options, option A and option B. So which one of these do you want to focus on? So mm. this is the third principle that that you want to to take into consideration in, in this group. And uh, the fourth principle can be also certainty, just to communicate uh, clearly to people, why do we do this learning group? You know, because the, the brain uh, doesn't uh, like so much ambiguity. And actually, this is one of the ambiguity is one of the everyday lives in a creative person's life that there is, yeah. you know, like you don't really know where your creative process with, with, uh, will go. But when it comes to organizing learning groups, it's easier to, to clarify, you know, like, why do we do this? You know, like we yeah. are in this group uh, because we have these three, one, two, three learning points, you know? I see. So um, uh, through, through this uh, principles, you can establish a better structure for, mm. for uh, people to take in information, make them feel mm. that they are valued, make them feel that they are part of the same group, Uh, make them feel that they have the option to choose and then tell them, you know, what is it that we are here to learn? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Hey, um, and can you, yeah, please. Yeah, so, so uh, I just wanted to say one more thing about the Neurodership Institute. Uh, 
is that uh, I really appreciate the fact that it's like uh, based on uh, findings in social neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And this uh, taking this uh, specialization, it just opened my appetite for neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wow, there's so many other domains like uh, cognitive neuroscience, affective neuroscience, social mm -hmm. neuroscience. And, and that's how at one point I ended up to the neuroscience of creativity. Mm -hmm. that, and uh, that was very fascinating for me to to actually learn that that uh, our human brain is, is both you know like both hemispheres left and right are actually involved in the creative process except mm -hmm. that you know that at different stages there are different you know like uh, parts of the brain that are activated like for instance uh, if we think about the beginning when you come up with an idea then it's uh, the imagination network. That's how it's called. That's when it's most active. But then when you are uh, refining your idea and you are thinking, okay, I want to make it uh, applicable for some people, then it's the executive attention network and the salience network that are coming into, into mm -hmm. play. So overall, there are these three networks, imagination network, executive attention network, and the salience network that are uh, are contributing to to the outcome of the creative process and that was for me like wow this is amazing because uh, if it hadn't been for the social leadership institute i wouldn't have gotten interested in neuroscience and i wouldn't have known that uh, it's not only the right side of the brain that mm. is important to create we also need the analytical side mm. we also need the disciplined side mm. That's we amazing. also need the communication. So it's actually teamwork. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a teamwork there in our brains. Yeah, that's amazing. I have to dive in more deeply on those. But they, we talked earlier before the podcast about artificial intelligence, yeah. AI, and, uh, and also a lot of discussion. There is, there is a lot of discussion now about using AI to help your creations, creativity, um, creating art, digital art. Uh, there's this competition that we were just talking about also. So what is your take on it? Like, um, where are we now? And uh, let's say we, if you go 50 years from now, what is the role of human beings and, um, and their creativity and, and how will AI perhaps be as creative as we are or even yeah. more creative? Yeah. And so, Bring, bring us to the future, like, how, how does it look like? We open the door, how, how is the world? Wow, this is a very, um, how should I say, it's a very heavy question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm very interested to, to think about uh, the future. And um, of course, I would like to say that uh, we are all biased when we think mm. about the future, because somehow... Uh, at least in my case, there is a bit of wishful, wishful thinking there, mm -hmm. like how I would like the future to be. But uh, when it comes to um, this uh, interaction between the human mind and artificial intelligence, I would really like to be more like a teamwork where the human mind is the leader mm -hmm. and the artificial intelligence is the uh, executant. And this means that the, the human mind as the leader is actually the, the one who is the creative, the one mm -hmm. who uh, sets the context, 
in which the artificial intelligence is gonna execute some tasks. And uh, we were talking earlier before the podcast about uh, how AI is creating art. And in that, in this particular setting, the human creator is the one who shows the creativity in the way feeds the story to the AI. Mm. And then the AI is just the one, the, the hand who is very precise in executing the details. But if you feed in poor details, then AI is going to draw poor details. So mm. I would still think that the in 50 years from now, um, the human beings are going to um, improve their creative thinking in, mm. in how they interact with AI in any domain, not only arts, in mm. entrepreneurship, in, in uh, healthcare. Mm. Uh, just reminds me of the, if in your book you have these uh, four kind of tendencies, so, and, the, and communication is, is one of them. So isn't it like, yeah. also how do we communicate with AI? How do yes. we, you know, share our vision to AI? Yeah. How do we? How do we give uh, feedback to yes. AI yeah. <laughs> so that AI doesn't get sad and <laughs> and and yeah and and uh, with AI, uh, I can say that I have been uh, played around with um, one AI uh, application. I think it's called Dali. Yeah, have yeah, you yeah, heard yeah, of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And yeah. and um, what what I have I have played around to draw some photos and uh, to create some stories. And what I saw that Dali is very good at is finding, let's say, the most um, common ideas that you have on the internet, and then it it, it puts them in in a one paragraph story. If 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 you say, for instance, uh, to Dali, Dali, uh, can you please tell me a story of uh, John, uh, who is a CFO and a creative person? And then Dali is going to tell you, uh, John uh, used to be afraid of taking risks. And one day he joined a creativity workshop and he learned that he can be more daring in taking risks. Why is Dali doing this? Because on the internet, when you think about business people and, mm. and com- creativity, most often it's about taking risks to experiment. Yes. So that's what Dali does. But what I was finding interesting is that Dali doesn't actually know about the human experience. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe there is a, I don't know, Tommy, who is a CFO uh, and who is creative person in a different way. Maybe he is creative in, in like in his free time, he's writing, I don't know, like science fiction stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the human beings uh, have much more complex creative tendencies than what mm. we, what Dali can find on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, in 50 years from now, uh, my question is, can, can Dali capture all the subtleties of the human yeah. experience? That's, that's a, that's a great, great question. Comes to my mind also, if you look at visual art or digital art, um, quite often, the what AI produces are either very pleasant, or then there is like one thing that is you know 
not very pleasant, but it's 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 so simplistic still. So if we go to actual museum with uh, with art by by I mean um, masterpieces basically, yeah. Then um, you with the better art you get this feeling of of you know you get more insight. You understand that okay, well, well, this is actually a very complex place, but there is some healing. Perhaps, yeah. but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It gives a more rich picture yeah. of the world, and, yes. and it's full of all the well yes. stories uh, that we can connect to. But uh, there is no, not just one pleasant image to yes. look at, or one super unpleasant yeah. image to look at. Yeah. But it's it's this complex experience. Precisely. That's that's uh, that's a very great uh, point of view because when we talk about. Uh, creativity expressed in, in a painting, for instance. There, there it's uh, leaving aside the talent of the painter. There's lots of unconscious, which is expressed in the painting. And, and you as a viewer, when you look at that, there are some other parts of your unconscious that get, get activated. And that's the healing uh, power of, of art through this unconscious communication between what the painter put in there and what the human being uh, mm. uh, sees there. As I said, I'm really curious, I hope both you and I, we are gonna be still young and kicking <laughs> in 50 years from now, course, to yeah. see, will we be able to have our unconscious triggered by a painting or like uh, some dynamic uh, video done by an AI? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. And perhaps it's the, like we were talking, like perhaps it's the human and AI that will be the perfect team yes. and not just AI alone or just human alone, but yes. it's the teamwork. Yeah, that's uh, so much how I'd like how I'd like to see it, that 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 uh, we human beings become the leaders, the creative thinkers, mm -hmm. and and uh, the AI is the one who is executing uh, uh, this more redundant tasks. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Let's see every five years from now. Let's have a, <laughs> another podcast recording. Uh, I mean, sooner actually, or more often. I would like to talk with you about this, like every day. But uh, but at least uh, I mean, every now and then, let's have a kind of let's see where we are now and where, where we are then. And <laughs> let's keep we, the, the progress in exactly, check. Exactly. <laughs> and then twenty fifty two. I don't know. Thirty years from now, then like okay, well. And how did we? And let's listen to this record, exactly. right? Yeah. And, uh, do you remember how naively we thought about? And I about, already. And we didn't even realize that you know AI is going to take <laughs> over the world and yeah. give us this job of doing the podcast only, nothing else, <laughs> because everything else is done by robots and AI. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to you know dream about this kind of dystopia, but it's. You know, things are possible, right? Yes, things, everything is possible. And, and as, I, as I said earlier, it's like very difficult for any human being to actually forecast with accuracy the future. Yeah. And, and it's good for us to say that, hey, today, 5th of October, at least we, we, we said that we are open-minded and curious to see what is the role of AI in, in five years from now, in 10 years from now, in every field, 
uh, I don't know, maybe we will be in, 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 let's say in 20 years from now, we will be having this podcast in our kitchen <laughs> and then we are going to talk with our oven to prepare a very nice apple pie yeah. while we are recording the podcast, yes. you know, we are going to have, uh, you know, fully AI kitchen. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? I mean, exactly. And perhaps they, perhaps the AI is even guessing what we need, right? <laughs> so like the recommender systems nowadays, I mean, you go to whatever platform and uh, this content is recommended to you. So perhaps in the future, it's like, you know, AI is just, you know, not just even recommending, but it's just preparing you the dinner because it's the dinner time. Exactly. And you happen to be in Spain, so it's a bit later on than, and, and the, than in Finland. And they're going to prepare us a salad and you're going to be, no, I don't want a salad. Give me an ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> and the AI is going to say, that's not good for your heart. Go exactly. check your weight. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, hey. it's interesting to to yeah. see um, you know talking about creativity and, and creativity you know happens every day in in fields of 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 business and and innovation mm. and uh, and um, there are many people now working on on the next surprising. Product. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, talking about stories. So, can you share listeners a turning point in your life? some turning point, something that made you think differently about life or work or about creativity yeah. or anything, basically. So uh, can I share two turning points? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> uh, there are many, but I'll share two. Uh, the first one is when I uh, left my home country to move to Finland. I'm born in Romania. And when I was 20 something, I moved to Finland uh, to study. And that was a turning point because it opened my mind. Uh, it's one thing to travel to another country for, let's say, one week, two weeks as mm. a tourist. And another thing to live in, in a foreign country with different ways of thinking, different culture, different way of interacting. And, and this one, one major turning point, which showed to me that Hey, Wana, you and your Romanian culture are not the center of the universe, by far from that. And uh, I learned how to be more tolerant with, with the Finnish culture. So that was one, one turning point. Um, and many, many years later, I ended up marrying a Finnish man. So that's the best proof of tolerance. <laughs> And then the second turning point was exactly what you said uh, about um, the moment when I discovered my interest in creativity. That That's when, when I feel that I was born as a professional. Mm. I, 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 I've always, I, I didn't think much about myself. I don't think much about myself, but um, uh, um when I, when I realized that, Hey, you know, like I started reading some articles uh, mm. And then I read this book on creativity, which is called Wired to Create and, and uh, written by uh, Scott Barry Kaufman and Caroline Gregoire. And I was like, wow, from this book, I was like, okay, so highly creative people are doing certain habits. In other words, they're making room for creativity every day in their life. I may not be a highly creative person, but I may also try to make some room for creativity in my life. So that yeah. was the turning point where I started to begin that, that first of all, I'm interested in the psychology of creativity. And second, I want to myself become as creative as I can be. And then I started 
designing my own courses on creativity and not only that, also on like empathy and on communication. And, and uh, I started exploring my, uh, myself in, in, uh, in, in my, as a professional, as, as, mm-hmm. as a knowledge entrepreneur. I, I started to learn how to, when you have uh, some useful learning lessons to communicate to people, how do you do that in a more interesting way? So this was a turning point when I discovered my interest in creativity. So two turning points. When I came to Finland and when I, I discovered, hey, I'm really curious to learn more and more about creativity. That's amazing. And now with your book, you're actually sharing also to others, like like basically your journey, yes. how to be, yes. how to develop this creative exactly. identity. Yes. And work. you don't have to be like a genius. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just have to be uh, an individual who has, uh, maybe passion is too cliche of a word, but an mm. individual who is very curious about something mm. and who wants to, who feels this nudge to go and put your own perspective mm. into that field. Like I felt this nudge with the book on, on creativity. I felt that, hey, you know, like I've read so much about it. I've been teaching it to to uh, different uh, people. So I, I feel like there is some room left for mm. for communicating how we can understand our creativity and how we can apply it in mm. the everyday life. Mm. I really like that whole story. I mean, it reminds me of... Um, of like, I mean, there's this, this uh, simple exercise. It's like one hour per day, nothing more, nothing less, but just you know, create something. It can yes. be anything like yes. drawing or yes, or creating, a, writing a book or anything. And then who knows in one year how far you are? Exactly. You know, or two exactly. years, three years. Yes. If you continue that yeah. practice. And before that, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, when you actually know, of course, what you're interested, like, you know, that you want to, to write a book or, you know, that you want to start composing songs or, you know, you want to program a, a new email service, you know, when you have an idea, yes, you have this one hour to create. But before that, it's also very interesting because you can put, let's say, one hour per week to explore something That's else. True. To go, for instance, to an event, you know, whatever happens in town, an event on uh, public speaking or an event mm-hmm. on improvisational theater or an event on programming, whatever event that is going on, you go there, even if it's scary, once per week, do something scary yeah. because you never know from what scary thing sparkles this exactly. interest. For inspiration. Which, yes the inspiration for which you then set one hour in your calendar to work on. I totally relate to that. <laughs> Been there, done that. Hey, um, of course, um, the journey needs, needs. I mean, you need to learn a lot of things. So I would like to ask you, like, Anna, what did you learn last time? And was it online or from a book or where? Yeah, that's how I... Uh, Last time, I learned how to deliver uh, a speech where you engage the audience through humor. I have to say, I'm not a funny person, but I like humor. And I would like to be a funnier person for my audience. I think you are a funny person, by the way. Oh, I mean, we are recording this live, actually. We are, it's not remotely. We are actually in the same room. And um, 
you're a funny person. So <laughs> thank you. It's yeah. encouraging then to keep on continuing. So I enrolled for uh, this online course, which is actually partly online because the materials are online. It's uh, it's uh, blended learning, and then partly it's uh, in. Mm. Uh, uh, f- physical face to face is part of uh, this public speaking club Toastmasters, mm-hmm. and and I just took it uh, as you know like out of this like uh, pushing yourself to do something yeah. scary to meet new people, and and then I thought hey you know I'm gonna do this scary thing I'm gonna learn how to deliver a humorous speech. So that's what I learned uh, last week. <laughs> wow! I'm still gonna continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so next time when we have the podcast, maybe I'm going to be funnier. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. no, you, are, you are absolutely funny. And, and listeners should uh, see your body language, which is uh, very expressive. And uh, we should really, really record a video as well. But now, we, I mean, it's, it's a podcast. Um, hey, uh, I would like to ask um, the final question. Um, so, the I mean, as you know, the podcast is Cloud Reachers. So, um Meaning like cloud is like a dream or online or future, something that we should reach or something that we want to reach, right? Um, But uh, then there needs to be these cloud reachers, right? I mean, so in your mind, who or can be also an organization can be or is this kind of a cloud reacher dreaming of something better or... Well, doing stuff also. To I this. think you are one of the cloud richers. Oh, I think you, you know, we were talking earlier about all the activities that you are doing, and you're a very like versatile person. Um, and um, I, I have met. Uh, I like to think more about individuals than companies. For me, companies are something cold and distant. But people make companies. So yes. uh, uh, I have met some some very good good people, like um, for instance, in in the book uh, that I wrote, I have interviewed ten professionals that are uh, like in in uh, science, in entrepreneurship, and in engineering. And each of these people to me are like cloud reachers because they want to do their best to to make society better so they are cloud reachers also some some of the um, clients that i have met like i met recently for instance someone who is in a leadership position and and he impressed me a lot through his modesty Mm-hmm. Like like the way he was like he was you know like usually for me the stereotypical way of a leader is somebody mm-hmm. who is more like uh, knows it all and is like <laughs> imposing you know like uh, yeah. tasks, but this person he's so modest and he's listening you know you talk with him and you can see his ears growing and his eyes really focused on you and I was like goodness mm-hmm. he is such a such an amazing um, leader for the p- people in his company. So, and I can think of, of many, many other people uh, being cloud richers. Um, one person that I'd like to end with, uh, he is not alive anymore, but he he's my father. He used to be a cloud richer because he was the person who brought the sun in the room. He had a certain way of, Presence. He was very mm. present, mm. and and he was very um, 
he knew how to, not that he, I don't think he did it consciously. He, uh, he was uh, very generous in, in sharing his joy. Mm. So I think that every of these people I mentioned, they are cloud reachers in their own way. And we need mm. every person who actually brings goodness. Mm. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this was beautiful. <laughs> final for this uh, podcast episode. Thank you, Anna, so much for joining. Thank you so very much for having me here. It's a privilege. Yeah, it's been a pleasure and, and privilege also to have you. Thank you. And let's record another one soon. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> and many that. times uh, until, you know, uh, until we are old and gray. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know, thank you so much. Thank you, Tommy. All right, uh, this was Cloud Reachers. I'm Tommy Kalpin. See you next time. Ciao.